And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, it's Civilized Barking. It's Thanksgiving weekend. I am Zach Jackson. Uh, we're counting down to Sunday. Uh, the Browns play the Bucks. We're counting down to next Sunday when Deshaun Watson debuts. You might be counting down to the end of this season. If so, I understand. Uh, but we'll see. You know, we know a lot changes, um, including the evaluations of everyone involved, the evaluations of this series of moves that have gotten the Browns here. Uh, and then, of course, the big move that that said, hey, this guy can fix it, and eventually we'll get there, and we will see how that goes. So um, if you're listening, reading, thank you. Um, let's go full cheesy cliche. We are thankful for you guys who are on board. We wouldn't have this without you. Um, you know, if I didn't have this job, I'm not sure what I would do. So um, I appreciate that. Um, Tom Brady and the Bucks are coming to town. You know, they're playing better. Do they really need this game? I don't know. You know, they're in, in the worst division in, in recent memory, so they, they should be able to limp their way to the end. But they're coming off a bye they last played in Germany. Seem to have figured some things out, and um, they're scary because they got Tom Brady and Mike, Edwin, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And the rookie running back, Rashad White, looks to have added some juice um, to that. So we'll see. We know everybody runs for 150 on the Browns, and we'll see if the Browns can keep it under 190 and maybe give themselves a chance. Uh, I have a special guest here. His name is Dave Zastadel. He's a former Brown. He kicked, he punted uh, in the league for 12 years. He does some work with the Browns radio network from time to time. He still lives in the Cleveland area. He's, he's engaged, he's involved um, and he knows some stuff. So I'm fortunate to know Dave and I'm fortunate to have him join us. So Dave, welcome to the show here on Thanksgiving weekend. Hey, thanks. Zach. Happy Thanksgiving to you. and uh, Happy to be here. Yes. Yeah, so we will go positive. We will go negative, but we have to start with an important piece of football business. And that is a shout out to our alma mater, the Ohio University um, dominant Mackey's champs. Some are saying the most dominant Mackey's team of all time. But, uh, you know, shout out to them for for really, um, you know, being awesome all year and, and then losing their quarterback, getting it done. And they're going to Detroit to play next weekend. Yeah. Losing Curtis Rourke, um, everybody. Uh, you know, took a deep breath, uh, and obviously you hope he was okay. But with the torn ACL meniscus, unfortunately, um, you know one of the one of the greatest quarterbacks I think in in recent <clears throat> MAC history, unfortunately, won't be playing in the MAC championship. But um, you know that I believe his name's T.J. Harris came in with very very little experience. I think he was uh, third team depth chart when the season started, and you know he's a he's a different type of quarterback. He runs, he he can run the option, he he's a dual threat. And I think you saw that last weekend for whoever watched that game against Bowling Green to decide the Mackey's championship. Um, they, the kudos to the offensive coordinator. He really, you know, devised the scheme based on his skill set. And, and and Ohio University, as you said, they look extremely dominant. And I'm you know, I'm pretty excited to see them uh, take on Toledo for the Mac championship. Yeah. So um, if you guys didn't know, Dave is probably the greatest punter in the history of the Mid American Conference. Uh, I was the 1999. Um, 
intramural flag football official of the year at Ohio University. So we both have our investments there and we appreciate <laughs> that. Um, David's not gone well for the Browns on multiple fronts. You know, I, I don't think all is lost and, and that's outside of what's happening next week. You know, this is still a team that has some talent, even if it was misjudged. Um, the run defense is just historically bad. That leaks to other things and it, you know, it, it kind of spotlights some, some things that didn't get fixed or were pro- poorly evaluated. So if you had to pick one outside the run defense, you know, what is probably most disappointing to you uh, 10 games into this season? I think besides the run defense um, overall, I, I think it has to be the play of the secondary, the secondary, you know, and, and a lot of it was early in the season with miscommunication. Um, you know, I, I was at the Jets game. Um, obviously, we all all watched the season opener because it was against former Cleveland quarterback Baker Mayfield, and you saw you know all the miscues in that secondary. Um, yes, are there young players back there? Of course, but um, as you stated earlier, uh, you know I, I spent many years in the NFL, and, and, and to have continuous miscommunication like that in in, in multiple games is inexcusable. Uh, it doesn't happen. So, um, you know, I think. When you hear the coaching staff, uh, especially Coach Stefanski, talk to the media, he's going to be very protective on what he says. Um, that is the, in the history of the NFL. You know, we have media people talk to us. I mean, we understand that. You know, there's a lot of things we keep in house as an NFL team. Um, you know, and, and for obvious reasons, you want distractions. You don't want um, you know players talking and and you know giving some cues to the opposing teams. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, but um, I, I think for me. Early in the season, the secondary just was inexcusable mistakes. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And and I'm glad you kind of framed it um, <clears throat> part of your answer the way you did, because, you know, press conferences don't determine games or game plans or anything. Right. <laughs> but they are the team's I, way to connect with with the fan base. Right. To get their message out and to, to promote their what they're doing, what they're building, all of that. So I think that Kevin Stefanski is right. And that a lot of times when he gives boring non-answers, he is protecting his guys. But when you have miles now for two years doing what he's chosen to do after games, and you have some of the things that have gone so terribly wrong, um, aren't there times that Kevin could a take a different approach and project things a little differently or b, you know, does it expose a real problem if you're constantly having the same guy take shots at the operation after the game. And, and it just seems to go on <laughs> the same the yeah. next week, the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, coach Stefanski is in a position that every, every coach has, has his own personality, right? You have the Tony Dungies of the world that did things completely different than the Bill Belichick's of the world, which did things completely different than the Bruce Arians's of the world. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their own style. And over time, that style, whether you like it or not, is either going to sh- going to show success or failure. So Kevin Stefanski, Coach Stefanski, really, that's just his personality. I think we can't we can't want him to change because I don't think he ever will. I think that is just who he is, and he always tries to keep the players out of the spotlight. He always tries to harp on things um, that they did right, things they need to improve on. And there's not you're not going to get much more than that. Um, but I think when you come, you know, switching gears like Miles Garrett. You have a first overall draft pick, a guy who's been through trials and tribulations in Cleveland, saw a winning year in 2020. And I think, you know, he's taken on a little bit more of a leadership role because of expectations of him as a player. And I think he's a little frustrated. And when you go, when you get a record of three and seven, 
um, you know, and your expectations are, hey, let's get to 500 or better when Deshaun Watson comes back. And I think that's pretty realistic expectations with a first year backup quarterback. Um, you know, frustration starts to creep in. I've been in many locker rooms and I've unfortunately been on many losing teams. And, and what you have, you know, what you have to expect from Coach Stefanski is to be a successful coach over the long term. You have to be a great leader of men because there's a lot of different personalities and backgrounds in that locker room. And if you start getting players to turn on each other because of a losing season and you don't lead them through that, that's when you got a problem. Yeah. I mean, I see it, Dave. I think we're looking at a second straight year where the locker room has gone wrong. And look, every team has failures and shortcomings and adjustments that they need to make or can't make because of personnel. Right. But like, the good teams steady the ship and it just seems like the Brown ship has just kind of spun further away from the dock. Right. And I think that's, what's going to be interesting going forward is it's a, it's going to be a pivotal turning point in this organization or it may not be. And what I mean by that is when you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson and you look back since 1999, Cleveland really has never had a consistently proven quarterback um, at that position. I, I would say Derek Anderson for maybe a couple years shown a little bit of that, um, but it was only for a couple years. I think expectations moving forward are now, it's, hey, you put the largest contract in the history of the National Football League on one player that really hasn't played in almost two years. And what what I'm going to be looking for now, because the season in my mind is, is, is pretty much over. I think they have like a 4% chance to make the playoffs. So these last seven games that he plays in, or six games, excuse me, uh, I, I I haven't done the math real quick in my head, but <laughs> anyways, he has he has a group of game, you know, a bunch of games coming up. How does that team respond to a quarterback of his caliber? Is he going to be rusty? Sure, he will be, but you have enough games to say, okay, my offense is in a pretty good spot. Yeah, we'll always improve it here and there, but let's find out when the locker room responds to a quarterback that is a proven leader. And I think that locker room is excited to get him back on the field. And I hope it sparks something to say, Hey, listen, if this season's lost is the, are these last many games that we're going to play going to be kind of a, you know, kind of a roller coaster uphill into next year. Um, what are we going to do with that? How are we going to respond? And I think that's really what I'm looking for, because if you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers over the past many years, you look at, Many of the good teams that have consistently played well, Kansas City, Green Bay, it's because they have a consistently winning quarterback. And so when you have a Deshaun Watson, here's going to be that turning point. Is he going to, is he going to, you know, right the ship? Um, are the players going to respond to that and build momentum into next year? And I think this is the first time in recent memory, long, long memory, I should say, that we have a quarterback that expectations are he's a Pro Bowl franchise top quarterback, and now we got to see how the team responds. Yeah, and and this is kind of my point of contention and worry, Dave, is like it's never one thing, right? But they said with their movement, they said a couple things. One, we're good enough to take this on. And two, it was the quarterback last year, and we get that fixed and we're good. And instead, you have a third year where continuity is supposed to show up in many areas. Continuity they haven't had since you played for the Browns, right? A third-year right. head coach and GM. And they're still failing in so many areas um, in a, you know, and it reflects poorly on the state of the roster and everything. And it's like, Hey, there's no jump here in the third year. So is Deshaun Watson great, can, but yet, you know, can he be a magician if there's some real, real holes in, in the building of this defense? Yeah. And I think, I think what's frustrating a little bit as a fan, um, you know, of the Browns is Jacoby Brissett has played pretty darn well for, you know, for everything that has been going on first year 
learning a new system, coming in with a lot of distractions, knowing you are eventually going to be the backup. And you look at his stats, and he's played pretty darn well. Uh, There's a couple key areas. Um, you know, I think the Baltimore game, the Atlanta game, I think there was a couple things. But at the end of the day, you have a guy that's giving you a chance to win. And I think the most frustrating part is, is we have a defense that now is just crumbling on all aspects. Um, they're, you know, you got your defensive starter making comments about the team, the coaches, um, you know, even practice. Uh, and what's happening is you start looking at, okay, where, where is the problems? And we talked about earlier in the podcast that the defensive secondary had its issues. I think they've improved a little bit. You have an interior defensive line that is just getting blown off the ball almost every single play. And you have, you have some injuries at the linebackers. You got a new linebacker, Dion, um, you know, Jones, you have Phillips going down with an injury, which I don't think he was playing up to his potential before that. So if you look at why we're getting crushed on the running game, there hasn't really been much of a, you know, in my opinion, a big focus on the interior defense alignment and on linebackers. And you read articles all over the place say, you know, analytics doesn't focus on those two positions. Well, I think they're going to start focusing on them going forward because if you don't, it doesn't matter if you have Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson. You know, I, I was saying this the other day to a uh, to a friend of mine. We were talking about Deshaun Watson. I said, if you don't have players around him, especially on defense, his last year in Houston, I think he was four and twelve. Mm-hmm. As great of a player as he is, if you don't have the surrounding pieces, you have a great quarterback that really is limited on what he can do to win you ball games. Right. All right. Let's take a quick break here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. All right, Dave, I think anybody... um who not only remembers, but just watches casually, right? Like what's good special teams? Well, it's when Phil Dawson cuts one through the blizzard. It's when Josh Cribbs takes one hundred yards, right? Uh, anybody knows that, but to someone who did it 
for a long time. Um, a general question and part of a two-parter here, but but first, what, what to you uh, constitutes a good special teams unit? Well, you got to have players that are willing to sacrifice, um, you know, many things to be great. And what I mean by that is not everybody comes in the NFL. They want to come in and start, right? That's how you get paid. There's very few players that focus on just special teams their whole career and really get paid. So you're going to have guys that are drafted, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds that have to come in on their first, second, even third year and contribute on special teams. You have to have players that buy into that. And you got to have a coach that really, A, knows scheme. He has the ability to scout opponents very well. And he has the ability to lead men that really, let's face it, at the end of the day, that's not where they want to be. They want to be a starting defensive back. They want to be a linebacker. Uh, perfect example is Bart Scott. You know, he was undrafted. I was with him in Baltimore. Uh, he came in and started, and he was a monster on special teams. And because of that, he improved as a player at practice. He ended up being a Pro Bowl linebacker. So you have to have people that want to buy into that. And, and coach, good coaches will always tell you the meetings. Uh, football is a game of thirds. You have a third offense, third defense, third special teams. And that special teams will win and lose you ball games. Um, Bill Belichick said the most important punt in the game, important play of the game is the punt. So you have to have all those things factor into saying, hey, listen, if we're going to get good field position and we have to try to win games if offense, defense struggling, you got to have special teams, and that's a third of the game. So it has to be an emphasis on um, players buying in, coaches that lead it, and you have to have good schemes against play against teams that you know have traditionally good special teams, like Baltimore. Um, you know, I would say New England, etc. Mm -hmm. Is there one reason that stands above the others why the Browns don't have good special teams? Well, I think you know uh, that Pro Bowl returner that we signed in the offseason, him going down, I believe, to a major injury like an Achilles. Mm -hmm. um, you know that that hurts you because uh, you realize the only reason you sign a guy like that is because you had a hole. You, you had a hole in that position. So sure. now you're trying to find guys that can fill that that can still be impactful. Uh, maybe it's you know in this situation, guys that haven't done it, uh, you know that much, and and you know they're trying to gain practice every day, catch as many balls as you can. You know, maybe they're not reading the cuts like like some of these Pro Bowl returners can. Um, and a lot of things, Zach, to be honest with you, it, it's hard as a fan because if results aren't showing, you're going to blame the coach. You're going to blame the special teams coach, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's the first one you're going to blame. However, there's many times in meetings that I've been in where we watch film and the play was the right called play. And you have a player like, you know, I saw in the guy, I think, you know, Ronnie Harrison pushed somebody in the back and caused a 10 yard penalty after big return. That's not on coaching. You're told not to push them. Yeah, they, that is just 101. So there's a lot of times that sometimes they go, you know, Coach Prefer's been in this business a long time. I got a lot of respect for him. I, I went up against him many times, and he is a darn good special teams coach. But at some point, if the players aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, Fans don't see that because they don't know what's called. So a lot of times the special teams coach gets the brunt of the criticism when it's, hey, maybe we've got to replace these players in the offseason because they're not doing what they're coached to do. Another two-parter. Do the Browns have a player development issue? And if they do, is that something that makes for a good fix if there are major changes to the staff uh, in the offseason? Um. You know, it's a good question. I, I you know, every team's different. Um, I think the thing with the Browns, um, and I think this does come into play, is we are a losing organization since 1999, uh, for the most part. Maybe, maybe it take 2020 and 2017 as the exceptions, but we are a losing organization. Um, a lot of turnover, a lot of change, 
a lot of outside perception of what the Cleveland Browns are. And when, you know, you have a player that signs as a free agent or a drafted player compared to somebody get drafted in New England, a Pittsburgh, a Kansas City, it's a different culture that is that I think, you know, you know, has to be in that subconscious instead of coming to the Browns, the old Bengals, um, you know, team, the, the Chicago Bears. And I think it's a culture of winning that every coach and GM that's come in here has tried to establish. And until you start getting that consistent winning program, you know, I think when stuff hits the fan, guys are going to turn and say, oh, we're the same old Browns as this organization. You know, I, I think there is a small percentage of that that comes into play. So I think, you know, if, if this team and Deshaun Watson can f- come in and, and, and get a winning, you know, attitude and have a leader that leads them. And I've said all along, I think the Cleveland Browns over the years have lacked leadership. I, I just do. I just don't think they, they, you know, it takes special leaders. I've played with Ray Lewis. I've played with Larry Fitzgerald. I've played with some really good players that just exhume greatness and leadership. And I think when you have a team that's young with an organization that hasn't won and a quarterback position that has been filled, it's easy to accept losing. If you guys are listening, I would say rewind and go back and listen to that answer again. Um, you kind of – the one other thing I wanted to make sure I asked, Dave um, – you know, when you're a punter, you don't know when Sunday comes if you're going to impact one play or 17, right? But you are around all week. And, and I think as a punter, as a kicker, as a long snapper, you get a special perspective on on things, on the locker room, on the operation, right? So outside of those great players that you mentioned, you know, when you were on some some good teams and you were you were on some really good teams, you were on some bad teams, you know, are, are there traits or are there things you noticed as the season went on this roller coaster and as you got to where people were tired and games got bigger and all of that, are there a couple of things that you point to that said, Hey, good teams, obviously outside of a big time quarterback and, and big time quarterback uh, that those really good teams have. Yeah. I think a lot of it is chemistry and the guys really enjoy being around each other. Um, it's a tight group in the locker room. Um, it's, you have your leaders, that I remember Ray Lewis used to have Ed Reed over his house and they would watch up to three hours of film each night. And Ed Reed, um, it, he could tell you, he could almost tell you the plays that the other team was running because they put the extra time in. Um, they were leaders. They were you know, staying after to run. They would have their position groups out catching more balls. And I'm not saying that every team doesn't have that, but you had a continuity in that locker room. And I had a little bit in Arizona when I was there with Carson Palmer, at quarterback, and Larry Fitzgerald. You had a group of of just of just really good guys that cared about winning and that cared about the team. And they did the extra little things. <clears throat> hey, let's go. We're on a road trip. Let's all go out to dinner. Um, you know, Carson Palmer would you know, obviously he has some money, but he would he would pick <laughs> up the tab. But he he they were those are things that you do. And Coaches, general managers, they get a feel. They got guys that are roaming the locker room to give them feedback. Hey, let's, you know, yeah. what, what, is, what is the feel of this team? And if there's guys in that locker room that are hurting you, you know, the Dwayne Bows of the world, you know, those guys, they're going to find ways to get rid of them one way or the other because it's not helping them win. So, you know, there's a couple little traits, but I think at the end of the day, if you have a locker room that cares about each other, does the extra film study, does the extra things after practice and they care about winning, it's a, it, it starts building that culture. But at the end of the day, Zach, you have to have a quarterback. It's a quarterback sure. driven league. And if you have a quarterback, you can reload and replace a player here and there. If you don't, then you better have the best roster in the world 
with a subpar quarterback to give you even that small chance of winning. But you have to have the quarterback position. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. Feel is such a good word. Like I lit up, and nobody wants to see me here on this podcast. It's a good thing you can't, but like, <laughs> I just feel like the Browns, they don't have – you know, I think these guys in charge know what they're doing. I think they have things on their resume that, that say, hey, we're, we're all right, and, and we, we've seen some bad Browns organizations. But I do think there's a lack of feel that goes into player acquisition – into player development and certainly shows up on game day when they they start hot and the endings seem to be similar. Um, and last thing, you, you mentioned the quarterback. We all know that Deshaun Watson does not play uh, outside linebacker or strong safety, but a high-level quarterback can make all those guys look better almost instantly. And I do expect him to have rust. You mentioned it before I could even bring it up. But I, I do think it's not just the six games, right, coming up like – there is a chance that if he's as good as advertised, he raises the level and and the fixes um, get a little easier than they might seem right here in late November 2022, correct? Yeah, definitely, because what's going to happen is you'll start getting momentum going into next year. And then Andrew Barry and his staff will say, OK, where are the problems on this team? You know, not not maybe from not a locker room stand, but there might be. But where is it on the field? And obviously, right now, all signs point to defense. Um, yeah, they've had some injuries, but so is the offense. Um, where do we have to improve? And that's why I think right now, Andrew Barry, even though the odds are against them, he would give anything to have a first round draft pick. Um, that is how crucial the draft is. People don't understand if you screw up a draft with a first round draft pick, you set your team back two to three years. So right now with the draft picks that we have remaining, he has to fundamentally say, can I package those to move up? Do we feel that we have enough players at this position group that we need to fill to sit tight and, and draft them and develop those guys. But when you have a team that's three and seven right now, uh, yes, you got a quarterback that we feel and they predict is going to, their hope is going to be what, what everybody expects, you know, top five quarterback. But at the same time, if you miss out on these draft picks and they're not producing, there's only so many guys that will come to Cleveland or free agency unless you really pay them or unless they feel that we have a culture and winning. So right now, you have a bad football team. You don't you don't you can't say anything except that because of, of their record. But now it's saying, all right, if this is going into the fourth year of the Stefanski, you know, era with with you know and, and Barry and those staff coming up, next year is going to be such a pivotal season because there's no way any ownership group is going to watch two years of losing um or you know, seeing the regression and the next year if things don't change. Unfortunately, change will come. That's the, that's the National Football League. But yeah, I do believe, yeah, I do believe that he's you know this 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 organization is doing everything they can to fill and, and make this defense better. Um, and if Deshaun Watson gives the momentum, I think there is going to be some hope for optimism for next year. Yeah, no doubt. I, I mean, I think the reality is that having Deshaun Watson and having you know Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett can help you recruit the right guys um, with your somewhat limited resources. But I also think there's a reality of when you're searching for a defensive coordinator, a special teams coordinator, the very best guys look at a potential lame duck situation and say, maybe I'd rather go somewhere else with more security. Yeah. And that that's exactly what they will be. They will be thinking. 
Um, yeah. And that that's a problem. But like I said, you know, you know, everyone's a lot of people are calling for Joe Woods to be replaced. And um, obviously, we don't know what the internal conversations are. And honestly, we don't know because we ne- we never get any feedback from 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 the press conferences. You don't know if that is Joe Woods driven or if that's player driven. It could be both. But at the same time, if your defense is last in the league and you can't get anything out of your players, and and, and Andrew Barry is saying, "Hey, I think I got good players," then unfortunately, you're going to have to find a replacement somehow, some way, anything, just to shuffle things up and get these players to realize that, "Hey, my job security is not 100 percent certain. Um, we play bad." If Joe Woods gets fired, that's on us. Obviously, it would be a little bit on him. But um, change will always come in the NFL if you're not winning. It's it's a winning league, and that's just the facts. No doubt. Um, a lot of mixed messages, a lot of bad messages from the building. But, Dave, your messages and your insights have been great. So we thank you very much uh, for joining us, Dave Zastel. Thank you guys for listening. We're going to wrap up this uh, holiday version of Civilized Barking. I hope you get to go back. Um, and, and really, we want a big picture. So even go back next week if you don't get to it ahead of Sunday's game. But um, Brown's back on the field Sunday, and we know what next week brings. So thanks for listening. We'll have another. We'll have a live room. Uh, after Sunday's game. And Dave, we hope to have you back uh, sometime soon, probably early in the off season as we talk about where this organization goes from here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Zach. Look forward to having uh, to coming on anytime you, uh, you'd like to listen to my old insight. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you up on that for sure. Thanks, guys. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.